0: Hello and welcome to Fintech Insider Insights. I'm David Barton Grimley. And in today's episode, we're asking, would you buy your home through a super app? No matter where you're listening to this podcast, the process of buying a home is likely to be an administrative nightmare. From estate agents to mortgage advisors, solicitors, service providers, you're likely to be tied in knots with all the different parties you have to corral just to get that key to your new home. But does it have to be this way? Surely a super app or a series of mini-apps in one central application could smooth out this process completely. Well, in this show, we've put together a panel of experts to discuss how fragmented is the home-buying process right now, how would a home-buying super app even work, and what could be the challenges of doing this. We'll discuss all this and more in today's show, but first, a few brief messages. Don't go anywhere. Heads up, people. We've got a brand spanking new report dropping very soon. The 11FS Pulse Report 2023 will officially land later this month. What were the best fintech user journeys of 2022? Which UX trends are set to take the new year by storm? All of this will be answered and more with winning insights from our 11FS Pulse team experts and global industry leaders. Go to info.11fs.com pulse dash report to download and to find out more. That's info.11fs.com pulse dash report. We can't wait to share what we've been working on. Hey there, financial risk and compliance professionals. Would you like to know how your peers are preparing for the year ahead? Well, the good news is Comply Advantage's new State of Financial Crime report is built on a global survey of 800 senior compliance professionals. So it provides a clear-eyed look at the views of the financial services industry. To explore trends including environmental crime, crowdfunding, sanctions on Russia, and much more, download your copy of the report at complyadvantage.com insights. Let's get started. As always, I'm joined by a panel of amazing guests who can shed some insights into the super interesting topic. First off, I'm joined by Justin Herlich, CEO and co-founder of Pine. Thanks for joining us, Justin. What can you tell us about Pine?
1: Well, thank you for having me. Pine is a consumer fintech supporting Canadians throughout their journey in homeownership. Uh, our first product to market is a mortgage lending offering. So consumers come to us and we provide them with a mortgage. Great. Thank you, Justin. Sounds super
0: interesting. We also have a return to FinTech Insider for Maria Harris, Director of Digital Cat Consultancy. Welcome, Maria. Can you give our listeners a bit about you and your Digital Cat Consultancy?
2: Yeah, of course. Delighted to be back. Um, so, yes, so Digital Cat helps mortgage lenders and mortgage software providers in the UK to digitize their mortgage journeys and create new customer experiences using all the amazing tech we have access to. Um, Most people know me from Atom Bank, which is where I worked last time I was on the show, uh, where I got to design and launch the UK's first digital mortgage, which was super cool. And um, I also chair the Home Buying and Selling Technology Group, which is a government industry collaboration trying to improve the home buying process.
0: Brilliant. Thank you, Maria. And last, but by no means least, we have a return to FinTech Insider for Vadim Toda, CEO and co-founder of Proportunity. I hope I pronounced that right. Uh, Great to have you here, Vadim. What can you tell our our audience about Proportunity?
3: Uh, Nice to be back. Um, Proportunity uh, aims to help uh, specifically first-time buyers in two ways. One, by demystifying how much you should pay for a home And if the area and the home you're looking at buying is going to grow by helping you understand what we think is fair market value. And on the other hand, by giving you a bit of a leg up, by providing you with a loan, sort of a bank of mom and dad as a service. So we effectively have a private version of the help to buy loan, which goes on top of your mortgage, supplementing uh, your budget and allowing you to buy a bigger home with only 5% deposit.
0: Fabulous. A big mix of insights and backgrounds here. This is going to be a great discussion. Okay, so let's start by looking at how things are right now um, and ways in which the industry is looking up to join the dots on the home buying process. To get us warmed up, we're going to do a little bit of an icebreaker activity. So what three words come to mind when you think about the home buying process today? Maria, let's start with you.
2: Frustrating, um, opaque, and soulless.
1: No, (laughs) I definitely agree with all of that, Justin. Uh, In Canada, for sure, it's expensive, arduous, and slow. And Vadim,
3: I wonder if I should be a bit more optimistic, (laughs) given that.
1: Um,
3: I, I, my, my main word. I don't think it needs three words. I could say it three times. Probably just impossible.
2: It's Mm. probably
3: what people are feeling right now. Uh, And um, yeah, I just go impossible, impossible, impossible. as uh, especially in the UK with the interest rates we're having and everything else that's happening.
0: No one's happy uh, and no one's been happy with this process for as long as I can remember. Um, and it's really interesting that, you know, here we are in 2023 and it's exactly the same situation as it's been for uh, for many, many years. So I suppose the the first question to get into it is what what really is to blame for the current hurdles in the home buying space? You know, is it Is it the incumbents? Is it the legacy tech? Is it regulators? Why are we still here in this situation? Justin, what's your thoughts on that?
1: I think when you look at this, you have to realize that the industry has been built up over decades, um, if not longer, depending where you are. And it's a combination of all those things that you mentioned, but particularly what I feel the most and what kind of our mission is, is to help give Canadians an option outside of the incumbents. So at least in the market that I, I participate in, the incumbents have such a dramatic control. It's about, you know, some people quote as high as 80% between just a few companies. Um, there is no incentive to change. So if you, you look at the advancements that happen in more competitive markets, and I spent, for context, I spent five years working in the United States. I'm from Canada, but I spent five years in Silicon Valley uh, helping advance mortgage technology there. Um, working with really large banks like um, Wells Fargo, US Bank, Movement Mortgage, stuff like that. Um, the level of competitive nature in other markets drives the industry forward because people will tend to go to whoever has you know a better rate and a faster experience. But in certain markets, particularly Canada, the incumbency control prevents the innovation from really breaking through because the people making those decisions say, Is this the right time for my organization? Well, I'm going to look across the street and they're not doing it. So why why should I be first? So that's kind of my take on why things have been slow to progress. So
0: few incentives to change, right? When you have a situation like that. And, And Maria, from a UK perspective, are we seeing something similar in the UK?
2: Yeah, certainly decades and decades of of siloed industries that have grown up with paper-driven processes, and um we are very, very siloed as a kind of end-to-end property community. We don't really have that sense of community and cohesion and collaboration, um, but also we have a real lack of, I think, of ownership and responsibility in the UK. Um, there's no one government department or trade body who owns that end-to-end experience. It sits in lots and lots of different places. Um, there's no real, uh, no real solutionizing that happens where we try and, and design customer experience from end to end or try and solutionize end to end. And we all talk in very different languages. We have systems that just don't speak to each other. We all have very different strategies. I think the whole thing is just, yeah, it's really messy. Um, and it's been really tough to crack and no real, no mandation and no, no ownership or responsibility for making a change.
0: It sounds like a similar situation with incentives to innovate, right? They just don't seem seem to exist, and everybody's just turning the crank uh, with uh, with the existing products and solutions they have today. Vadim, you were last back on the show in uh, 2019, and in theory, a lot has happened since then with the world and with COVID and everything. Have we seen improvements in more intuitive home buying experiences th- since then, or is it more or less the same?
3: It's interesting, because I think there's been attempts at improvements. I think Maria is totally right, right? it's it's hard to gauge whether something has improved because on one hand, I used to work before this, I used to work in consulting and I focused a bit on payments when I was paying. And I feel like this is very similar. It's such a fragmented market that even if you have a small bid that gets a bit faster, you, you still have the rest of the pain and all the other segments that it doesn't feel that it gets better. right? Surely if you go on the super apps, like the writing of the Supla, the Zillows and Trudis in the US, they're getting better and they're being a bit more intuitive is it a lot more value add for the consumer depends i don't think estate agents and brokers have changed dramatically and i don't think the lending offering has changed dramatically and from an affordability perspective i think we've probably gone slightly backwards from where we were in 2019 given the market chasm so to sum it up my tldr would be no unfortunately
0: yeah that's that's damning um and and Justin, from your perspective, you know, do you think the fintech boom has brought any kind of coherent experiences to market? Is there anything out there that you can that you can point to? I guess, including the work that
1: you're doing at the moment, um, to what is shifting the dial? So, to me, it's it's if you're looking for it, you can get what you want. Um, but unfortunately, what that means is select people who are saying, "Hey, I really want to." Um, you know, buy my home online, get a mortgage online, those people can, and they can work with the providers that are out there. So at least these options exist where maybe 10 years ago, they didn't exist at all. But the reality is when you look at the numbers, the vast majority of people still choose the traditional method. So if you're out there and you're just the average consumer, you're going to go and um, trust your bank, trust your broker, go through the process the way that it's always been because that's that's where the majority of the ecosystem is. So while we now have an environment where alternatives like Pine exist, um, what you haven't seen is the traditional players adopt these uh, essentially advantages of what's out there. So it's kind of interesting. It provides an opportunity to challengers um, but it still means that the, the average person is not kind of experiencing what is possible out there and that, that has to do with Kind of momentum and getting everyone to change at once, and it is highly fragmented. So you have your uh, realtor, you have your financing provider, you have your solicitor, you have um, insurance companies, and you have you know all these steps along the way. So getting everyone in one place um, can be difficult.
0: Yeah, and people are just so used to using the channels that um, that they're used to and what they hear from their peers as well. M- Maria, a lot of fintechs are interested in this space. Um, also looking into the future, there's there's a huge amount of interest in prop tech in general. Um, Do you think that this this has solved or is solving some of these issues from fintech?
2: Um, Yeah, it's a great question. There are some amazing ideas out there and lots of very passionate and very talented people who want to help change the process and create better experiences. And we've seen lots of disruption in areas such as Um, payments, biometric onboarding, kind of the checks that are done during the mortgage process, that kind of thing. Some of which were forced on us during COVID and during lockdown when we had no option because we couldn't see each other face to face and we couldn't send bits of paper snail mail, which is obviously quite relevant now as well, given all the strikes. But they're all kind of moment in time improvements rather than fixing the end to end and you know it, and it's great that those things are getting traction and are are creating bits of of light in the process but it actually kind of throws shade on how bad the rest of the process then is and i think from the customer's perspective they don't really differentiate between who all of the different parties are in the transaction. They, uh, they, As far as they see it, it, it's one process so they can have this amazing experience with one part of the process but if they're let down by someone else in the chain, for them it's the whole experience has been really poor. So there's a huge amount of desire from fintechs to help change it but there's so many structural issues that make it hard and I'm sure we'll come on to talk about um, some of the, the challenges that we have with not having access to digital data, not having data in the format that we need, not having standardization of things like language APIs, data dictionaries, which we do have in areas like payments, which is why it's probably been easier to get that traction. Whereas with mortgages on property, a lot of that property data, just it's not in a format that's fit for purpose today.
0: So we're seeing a lot of attention in each of the components that make up the home buying experience, but the end-to-end piece. Yeah, as, as, as all of you have been saying, there just don't seem to be the right kind of incentives, um, whether it's financial or customer, to make those changes, despite the fact that everybody's clearly frustrated with it. Nobody is happy with this, uh, this experience at all. Great. So that, that sets the ground really for the, for the next um, section, which is to start to hypothesize a little bit as to how a super app um, in this space could work. And maybe just to recap really briefly on what we mean by a super app, if, if you think about um, businesses like Grab, for example, or what Revolut are trying to do, which is to try to coordinate all sorts of services in one space where you could really complete the entire home buying experience, that is what I think we mean um, by a super app in this context. So firstly, I, I suppose the, the, the question is, is do we all think that this is actually a good idea in the first place. Vadim, I'm going to come to you. What What do you think about that?
3: Well, I think you have to analyze it based on can it eliminate pain, right? Uh, and then you have to understand what is the pain that a customer faces, right? What are, what are the pains, like Maria said, in all the processes, right? And I think if I were... It's funny, I'm actually buying a home right now. So um, um, I think part of the theme is like finding out what you can afford, right? Then using that to find out a house. After you found a house, putting an offer on it. After you put an offer, securing that property, then going through conveyancing and getting a mortgage and then completing the transaction, right? Let's call it these five steps, or you could probably summarize it in three, finding the property, getting a mortgage, and then closing the transaction. And I think, uh There's probably like two elements throughout all of these pain points, but one is the ease of use of the process, and the other part is the kind of affordability, right? And affordability, I think, is the elephant in the room because if you think about buying a home and you're not a boomer, probably that's the biggest roadblock. But let's call it for an app today, because I think if you think to your expenses, your 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 uh, point about Revolut, right? Revolut was Now it's interesting that it can offer a lot of services, but initially what made them famous was the fact that it had no commissions, right? You can just travel abroad and change all of that. So parking affordability to one side and just focusing on process. um, I think a super app can add a lot of benefits, but it does have to be end to end. And it does have to tie everything. And I think it has to eliminate the pain of probably trust, because I think there's a lot of studies about how people don't really have any trust on multiple elements, be it the estate agent, be it the broker, the solicitor, the et cetera, or even in the UK, the fact that you can go through six months of process and then it will crumble at the last second before completion. And I have personally experienced that. So... Arguably, there's a question on how much of that can a super app change without the system changing, right? And without asking for some sort of, I don't know, deposits or uh, escrows or something like that. So I think there's elements a super app can fix and there's elements a super app can't fix. uh, And that probably is more to infrastructure change, but maybe one can lead on to another. If it has a, like Uber did, probably the better example, right, if you have a massive success in one element, then you can start kind of rolling that on it and create and adopting the second part of the element and the third part of the element, and then kind of creating your more efficient infrastructure
0: start somewhere and, and grow as you as you say so I, I, let's let's take that as a 50 50 from you, Justin. what do you think is that a is that a yes or a no? Do we
1: do we think it's a good idea? I, I actually think it's a great idea um, because if, I, if you go to those same points, there's a process, um, frustrations, and there's affordability, but I actually think both would be solved by uh, a common infrastructure to um, Maria's point. Um, And the super app could be the first step there. So if I contrast uh, Canada to the U S in the U S they have a standard data format called MISMO. It allows people or people in the industry to share information regarding a home transaction in a standard way. And it's been extended and um, it's community supported and, pretty much everyone uses that in, in all other markets. I'm aware of there is no kind of industry leading the data format, but if you look at what a super app could help with and it could fix um, process, the, the main frustration that I hear from customers and I've always hear, heard from customers is I don't have any transparency into where I am. Am I approved? Am I not approved? Um, is my host, did they accept my offer? Do they not accept my offer? Blind, you know, blind bidding, all these frustrations that people have. Um, so just sharing people updates in one place would, uh, in theory, help the consumer a great deal. They could, they could have one place, they say, okay, my offer's been accepted on this home. My uh, financing is unconditional, meaning they need to see a number of pieces of documentation and verifications. And uh, my home insurance policy is, 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 is like coming along, right? So, so these, these are all like optimistic utopia, like best case scenario, everyone wants to use the app. The app is you know, provided by someone that is trustworthy and everyone wants to participate with uh, and then if you look at the second half of the main problems, affordability, on, on first glance, you would say, OK, how, how can this app help with affordability? But when you break down the cost structure of the transaction, a lot of the cost comes from the fulfillment and acquisition costs of the providers. So if a mortgage lender, an independent mortgage lender um, wants to offer an amazing rate, well, they they need to bake in some profit margin. And, and that means that they need to account for their cost of acquisition um, first of all, so they're saying, "Hey, I need to get you know these customers. This is how much it costs through advertising. I need to bake that into my pricing; otherwise, I'll, I'll be underwater." Um, so, one single place could help significantly with cost of acquisition, um, and it could also help with fulfillment because fulfillment is is another cost, and there's a lot of fees that go in, uh, and hopefully, those fees could be brought down. Uh, unfortunately, though, if you look at the grand picture, fees typically go go up over time, and uh, until there's a large shift, and then they'll, they'll maybe get dropped to zero, like trading commissions. Um, we're probably edging up until they came significantly down, and uh, so I actually think a super app would be uh, a great thing. And, and and Pine's kind of vision is not just help people with their mortgage, but to to be the place that Canadians can trust throughout their journey, whether they're renting or they're buying or they're a homeowner that's looking to tap into their equity. That's that's where the direction we're going in.
0: Yeah. So it sounds from what you're saying that orchestration, I think, is is probably one of the most Im- important things, rather than trying necessarily to to you know fit everything inside one app at least you you have one area where it can orchestrate the decision making process for for customers and that that might be the the processes that you're fixing maria what what do you think could it work and and if it could work which which of the the processes or which parts of the journey that we've been talking about do you think it could solve the most in a super app
2: yeah, so completely agree with everything that Vadim and Justin have said. There's such a huge gap to fill on trust and transparency um, for, for all different types of customers. Um, but there's also something as well around giving the customer control and a feeling of being in control of of their own property life cycle and their property data and, and, and their, their kind of journey on wherever they are in that, in that stage of their life. Um, I think the stats around, um, customers buying a house is, is pretty damning. Um, I think the last survey that I saw said 85% of customers said that it was stressful buying a house. One in four said that it was hugely emotional and one in eight said it made their mental health worse. And if there's anything you can do in a super app that would could help the customer to remove all of those emotional roller coasters that we put them through, for me, that's a really good thing. I think one of the things we have to think about is that we we can't have one super app that will fix it for everyone. And not everybody's gonna want to use it, but for some customers, it will be the best thing they've ever used. And whether that's, you know, first time buyers who are starting really early on that journey, um, who want to know how to be mortgage ready, how do I save the right amount of money? What are all of the things that I need to know in advance? And if we can't change the fees, how at least do we get customers ready to know those fees are coming and to be prepared for it? so it doesn't catch them unawares, all of that kind of stuff adds huge value. Um, But I think for existing homeowners as well, it it scares me the amount of stuff that people don't know about the house that they live in. Um, And if you're the person who's going to sell your house, the amount of time it takes to go and find all of that documentation and dig stuff out of the bottom of kitchen drawers and find all of the things that you did last time you remortgaged or when you moved into the house, which can be you know ten years plus old, that that's really painful. And as we move towards, but you know, better understanding of our houses and how we use energy and how we get carbon neutral and all of the things that we want to do in the future, it feels like we could we could do with a super app to help us get that base level of understanding to build on first. So for me, I think it's
0: a fantastic idea. It's great. It seems to be thumbs up from from pretty much everybody. And I think your point about different customer profiles is is so important. A first-time buyer is not the same as somebody who is remortgaging. They have different needs and you might be able to do a super app maybe for a first-time buyer, but that would look very different to what a super app for um, a remortgaging buyer might look like. And I think that's just such such an important point. Has anyone seen any attempts to actually get this off the ground? Um, based on what you're hearing or or what you've um, seen in the market. Vadim, any any ideas?
3: We tried to do parts of it. I wouldn't call us a super app. And it wasn't an app. But we tried to kind of incorporate through our website. We were giving customer transparency about the the home finding, I would say, and the home bidding process. So we were kind of scanning all the properties on the market that meet their budget and giving them, hey, this is overvalued, this is undervalued, here's some better deals, and here's what's gonna happen to that area. And kind of sharing our forecast with them. And then telling them a bit about holding their hands and like, hey, if you want to get to this price, start your negotiation here and slowly go up and stuff like that. And then afterwards we create our own mortgage broker and we kind of integrate very well to tell them about budgets and option and make it very digital and instant and stuff like that and communicate. I have personal experience with what we've done and what it made a difference and why it didn't make a difference. But I think in, and in the UK, there's different attempts of at parts of the system. And I know uh, Atom Bank was really good in terms of very quick kind of decision process. And I think now there's some new, uh, new systems who are appearing. I think Tandem's doing some some work on kind of trying to be also like very quick and stuff. But I've, I haven't seen a lot more. Uh, on that, I think some people are trying to solve the convincing part, which is also a very big pain in the UK. Um, but whole end-to-end, it's hard, and I haven't seen much here.
0: Thanks, Vadim and, and Maria. I'm curious with you, you know, with your experience from uh, from Atom Bank, real, real quick. You know, could could a super app? be built by a big financial brand or an incumbent institution or indeed a wider bank or do you think it would need to be created by a specialist home buying um expert
2: um so i guess it could be done with a bank and um, but in collaboration with all, you know a whole load of third parties and partnerships and and other services that you would want to roll into it and um, but it brings you back to the trust thing and and customers have a I don't know, a kind of healthy skepticism about having everything in one place with one brand where it probably feels a bit more intuitive to have it with a brand who's on, almost disconnected from all of those things and is actually doing what Justin describes where they're providing the plumbing and the technology and pulling all of the other services in and that they're becoming the trusted brand in their own right without necessarily being the provider who actually supplies all of the products. And um, So I think we're more likely Likely to see more of a tech led solution. And because we're talking about, you know, reimagining a customer journey and then connecting solutions, it actually could be anybody that wouldn't even really need to understand the home buying process because. The whole point of that is that you kind of plug in breast of breed and you find solutions that are complementary to each other and, and, and glue together in a way that supports the customer thing that you're designing. And we have seen little bits of it in the industry for specific places, like Vadim said. So we've got people who are focusing on buyer ready. So you've got people like Get Nude and Afford IQ who are working on affordability and matching people to houses and how you use lifetime ISA and savings and open banking. And then you've got people who are trying to do the whole move a bit of it and go, you can connect your utilities and book your moving van and um, do all the kind of switch on things that you need to do when you move in and trying to help with that. And then you've got people like Snoop who are trying to fix the, pull all of your utilities into one place, however you pay for them and will help you manage all of your renewals and make sure you can get good deals. And then you've kind of got people like, um Codute, who are trying to use distributed ledger to be that almost that backbone that connectivity platform to try and get the industry to all connect to one system so at least they can share data um, so there are lots of different attempts at trying to fix bits of it i've not heard of anybody who's trying to fix the how do you get it all into one place though and i've not heard any of the banks use that kind of terminology yet
0: so it sounds like an open playing field, whether you're an incumbent bank or a fintech or a participant within the home buying value chain. And that brings us back to an interesting interesting question around challenges, right? So let's, so let's just imagine you are one of these potential players looking at the super app home buying opportunity. And Marie, you mentioned trust as being a, a really critical issue that customers have. So let, let's imagine your biggest challenge being trust. So, so how would you build trust as a brand in this space? Um,
1: as a customer, Justin, let's let's go to you. Sorry, as a super app, trust is trust is a difficult thing to build in this industry. I, I think when you look at the players that have trust, it's the ones that have consistently been in market for very long without public kind of face plants. Um, so obviously, the United States had uh, difficulty processing um, the state of their mortgage industry. You know, well, it's been a while now, but uh, during the global financial crisis and in Canada, our banks actually weathered that quite well. So it here we have high trust banks. It's just everyone. It's like it's a high trust, but frustrated. Like um, they, they people don't feel like they're getting the best service. But if you ask the average Canadian, like, where do you want your mortgage? They, they see it as almost I was just talking to someone about this yesterday. It's almost aspirational. Like, oh, I got my mortgage from the bank. It, people aren't. Um, you know, just saying, oh, I got the absolute best deal. They're, they're more like, hey, I qualified for for the bank mortgage. Um, so a super app, I think, you know, in principle could come from an incumbent player. Uh, and we're actually seeing some activity in that in Canada. The banks are starting to talk. They're, they're, they've been talking about for a while this idea of the home buying journey and, and how the banks can, can support that. Now, there's certain activities they'll want to participate in, obviously financing, and there's other activities where um, they won't want to uh, participate in. Um, so with that, but where I, I see the challenges is mostly just implementation of technology. Banks are, are fantastic stewards of financial stability and lending and, and deposits and management. Um, what they're not necessarily experts at is developing software. Uh, you need to leave that to companies that focus on that. So so I think trust can come from traditional financial institutions, but I think they have a long ways to go in terms of technical capabilities to, to get there. And that's where you're seeing them taking alternative approaches whether it's partnering with vendors or, or creating individual kind of siloed teams that can just focus on technology like innovation arms
0: and and vadim you know if you think about yourself as a fintech um, you know fintechs have struggled with trust issues in the past and I think still do uh, to this day you know how would you how would you overcome that issue as a as a fintech building a, a home buying super app
3: I would say there's probably like two ways and maybe they coincide right uh we try to add trust to our processes, for example, by being data-driven and objective, right? Because I think a lot of people, what they don't like in the system is that there's a lot of advisors that you need to count on. And a lot of the time, the advisors kind of recommend something, and you always feel like they're getting some sort of back-ended deal, right? Like the fact that, okay, the real estate agent always says, oh, this is the best house in the area, whatever, right? And then you know it's not the best house because you can do some sort of square foot analysis and it's one of the most expensive, but they get paid by the seller, right? So it's in their interest. Or the real estate, the mortgage broker recommends a certain deal, right? It might not be the best for you or um, a certain lawyer. So I think one way to kind of navigate that problem is by just being objective and being, like Maria and Justin said, being across kind of like a price comparison website, right? So if you have a clear KPI that's public and it's transparent and you say, hey, here's a few options and here's why this is the best, And it's a clear numbers driven game and choose that. I think that helps navigate that. And the other one, I like this uh, number of of years without face planting. I think that's also a good KPI in terms of uh, trust. Um, And I think Justin also mentioned another part. There's There's maybe a difference between trust and like, right? And I think people trust banks, but maybe they don't like them for customer service or for ease of contacting or whatever it is. So I think there's also that and we kind of struggled a bit when we started as a mortgage lender, right? Because buying a home is a very high trust barrier. And unless you've operated for a while and everyone kind of, I think it's fair to say this, right? But everyone thinks that you're going to screw them somehow. And there's a hidden in the small print, how you screwing it. No one goes and loves mortgage lenders, right? So I think we went around that by being a bit of a, maverick and having like branding and marketing uh, that was like oh we're gonna help you buy a home that's not shit right like it, kind of just telling it as it is and i think people realize that oh, okay you're one of us you understand the problem and you speak our language and that's not really scalable as you go into a big corporation you can't keep that but that's something that paves uh the first part uh, and you've seen this probably with a lot of fintechs right like transfer wise and Uh, even some parts of Revolut. So I think there's, you you can take a bit of transparency, data, maybe being cross-platform comparison, and then humanizing and understanding the problem that customers have. I think these things help you build that trust.
0: It's a really interesting challenge for fintechs. If you look at the surveys, um, there's a 2022 MasterCard survey um, which found that 20% of users strongly distrusted fintechs, while only 6% had the same op- opinion of incumbent banks. And if you think about how fintechs really focus on the transparency pieces, as you, as, as you say, and that's the thing that customers love about fintechs, it's sometimes a wonder why why that, uh, why that happens. And if you look at a, at a different um, Stakeholder within the value chain estate agents, a twenty nineteen Mori poll found that estate agents ranked in the bottom five of the trustworthy professions. So they just beat journalists, government ministers, advertising executives, and politicians. So that's that's kind of damning. And and you know
3: isn't that a lot just because it's new, right? Like people distrust anything that's a change or it's new. So you just have to go through that and then let that. So you navigate that period, and then afterwards it settles.
0: Yeah, I also think there's something about money, right? I mean, you know, a, a home ownership is an extremely emotional and evocative thing, I think, as Maria was saying earlier on, right? And, you know, you're trusting a financial institution with a hell of a lot of money. So, you know, having that trust is, is, is really important. So, I guess, Maria, to come to you with this backdrop of limited trust, a diverse series of stakeholders, is there a limit? Either is there a limit to what a super app could do, or is this market all just too big anyway? Is this an impossible task, despite the fact that we all love it and we think it's a really good idea? Is this a, a task that is just too big and impossible to, to overcome?
2: And um, So this is probably going to make me really unpopular with quite a lot of people in the industry. <laughs> um, but we actually have so much um, inefficiency and duplication and poor practice and other things that go on in the home buying process and, and, and undoubtedly people here make money out of that process being so poor that actually disrupting this and disrupting it properly. Um, not only would lead to a much better customer experience, but it will probably make the industry smaller and grow the amount of transactions. and um, because customers would just have such a better journey. And, and the whole aspect of, of trust is just, you know, it's a huge one financially. Financial services, I understand, but you know, for people who are putting their money into a bank and putting their savings or their current account, why trust is absolutely key. You need to know that you can walk up to a cash point or pay a direct debit or ping money in your app and know that it's going to work. Whereas mortgages is that one product that's very different where you, the, the customers, l- Less reliant on the trust of the bank because the bank is giving you their money, not the other way around. And you get, you know, you get examples where people don't even know who their mortgage lender is because it was all done through an intermediary. All they wanted to do was buy their dream home. They actually didn't care who the mortgage comes from because all it is is just money that they pay back every month until they own that home outright or until, you know, they remortgage or do whatever. So I think the dynamic for lenders here is very different to the rest of the industry. Um, But yeah, there's definitely a lot of things that i think a super app could do in terms of improving efficiency improving the process and giving the customers the things that actually build trust as in ease of solution um connectivity being able to see something in a way that makes sense to them, that is intuitive, that is educational, that's engaging, that's informative in a way that we don't do today. Um, and, and, you know, that maybe that's part of the challenge with the, you know, terms like fintech and open banking, as Vadim says, they sound new and they sound different. Yet the people who are using those solutions have the highest trust pilot scores out of the entire industry. So the people who do use them, absolutely love them and trust them and don't really need to know what all of that underlying stuff is that powers it and makes it work and I think we would say the same with a super app if it makes your life easier it helps you to do the thing that you want to do Um it's meeting all of those you know it, it talks to me in a language that I understand I can engage with it the way that I want to and it makes my life better do you really care what's underneath it all
0: yeah yeah. And takes away some of those fingers in the pie, um, as you're saying. And, and and some of the stakeholders within the the, uh, the value chain are extremely trustworthy. I mean, you know, I, I just want to give a big shout out to my mortgage broker. Absolute legend. Um, saved me a lot of money over the years. And so this is an example of, I don't care where the mortgage comes from. I have a relationship with a broker who I trust to be able to give me the right kind of advice. Um, and by the way, what a massive value chain it is. So according to Savile's research, the global value of real estate has reached over 300 trillion us dollars uh, in 2020 so it's um it's absolutely massive. So to conclude with all of this um, and actually actually uh, we'll we'll just go around the round the panel. Um, would you want to run a home buying super app? Would you be prepared? based on the discussion we've just had, to go to a VC or even the VC you guys are working with at the moment uh, and say, hey, we're going to consolidate multiple services under one roof. We're going to we're going to condense this value chain into into a single app. So I'm going to go around the table. Vadim, what do you think?
3: I, I, it's funny, like when we started Opportunity. I come from Bain, right? So it's all about 80, 20, focus on the problem, do that, and then slowly add to the core, right? Expand. Now I think I've kind of flipped. And I would say, yes, you need to have a super app because I think personally, and obviously I'm skewed, we we focus a lot on affordability. And I think to have that, you need to have volume because it's very much like a scale economics game, right? The more volume you have, the better funding lines you get. With the better funding lines, you can kind of pass that lower interest rate, you get higher adoption, and you get the kind of positive circle spinning. Um, So I think, yes would totally propose this. It's just more of a, for me, the question is, where do you start, right? What segments, kind of like the first point I made about Revolut, what's the first thing that makes a huge adoption of the super app, kind of like TikTok, right? If you want to start a super app by having something that attracts massive people in and then you add services, how do you start that? I think that's probably the most important question, but you should definitely do it because that's when you have a big enough of power against incumbents to get them to move towards you.
1: Justin, how about yourself? Thumbs up or thumbs down? Are you going to go build a super app? Thumbs up for sure. So, you know, I, I reiterate, it's the same thing. You want to start where you can add the most value to the consumer. And for us and our team's background and where our expertise was in was this was mortgage lending. Um, but you could, you could take my seed deck, which was you know, two years ago now, and you, you'll see what our vision was. It was always to connect everyone and to consolidate these services, um, but with a strong focus on mortgage lending to begin with. Um, and, you know, that's the direction that we're heading in, but we just happen to view it in the, we our lens of the world is you fit into different stages of your journey. Either you're renting, you're buying, or you're an owner. Um, and we're we're particularly helping buyers and owners. We're actually really helping owners these days. We're helping a lot of people. I've heard the term remortgage. That's not exactly what people say in Canada. We'll, we'll say switch or renew your mortgage or refinance your mortgage. So we're helping a lot of those consumers these days. And Maria, the last word, thumbs up or thumbs down?
2: So... Well, given that I chair the Home Buying and Selling Technology Group, whose sole purpose is to create the property data trust framework and the standards and the schemas that will make all of this happen, I'm hoping that I've actually given the industry the toolkit to do this. Um, so yes, absolutely hell yes from me, whether it's me that does it and designs a super app or whether I end up with a whole collaboration group who are going to do it using my framework, somebody is going to do this and it is going to happen.
0: Brilliant. Maria, you're enabling that market. And and on that note, um, that wraps up today's discussion. Thank you all so much for joining me. This has been a fabulous discussion. Where can people find out more about you and your companies? Justin?
1: Oh, we're super easy to find. www.pine.ca Maria?
2: Uh, digitalcatconsultancy.com or um, on LinkedIn, where I'm very, very vocal.
0: And Vadim? Uh, Proportunity.com awesome. And you can find me also on LinkedIn at David BG. If you're looking for more on the problems with home buying and the plans to fix it, go check out the 11FS home buying report, which is launching very soon. Keep an eye on our social channels or visit content.11fs.com forward slash reports for more info and thank you for listening if you like what you've heard subscribe to our podcast and don't forget to leave us a review it helps us to make it better and helps others to find the show as always if you want to join the conversation find us on social media just search for 11fs or fintech insider or email podcasts at 11fs.com thanks very much all and goodbye